This is episode 211 with Katie Spadia. Welcome to Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. I'm your host, Corey Camp. Today, I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Katie. She is an absolute monster in the fueling former athlete space. That's her handle on Instagram. She shares all things nutrition, mindset, mindset around nutrition for athletes like you and I to really thrive in that life post-sport, which is why I wanted to have this conversation with her. We dive deep into really just exploring relationship with food, how we can start to view food through a different lens as fuel, even as we transition into that former athlete space, as we retire and move on into that next season of our lives. So this podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp, helping you simplify your therapist search in a way that makes getting you the help you need easy. Therapy isn't just for when you find yourself in a dark hole with nowhere to go. I've personally found it helpful to connect with a licensed professional on a frequent basis to proactively talk through the puzzles that I'm actively solving in my life. And thanks to BetterHelp, you as a listener of the show can try therapy today for 15% off your first month. Head on over to betterhelp.com slash foreverathlete. That's betterhelp.com slash foreverathlete today to learn more and connect with a therapist that understands you. Now back to the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. I am joined by Katie Spada today. Katie, how the heck are you? How are you feeling? It's great to see your smiling face here. Uh, hey, Corey, I am doing so well. I'm so excited to be here. It is so great to be connecting and chatting with you today. I was about to say, isn't it funny that we catch up for 15 minutes and then we hit record and I ask you the same question of how are you? Great way to start. <laughs> happy to happy to replay that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Selfishly, I wanted to have this conversation with you because uh, in my own personal life, just trying to navigate weight um, has been an interesting journey for me, especially post-swim. I ended up going my senior year, got some food poisoning right around this time, like Christmas, November uh, time, got some food poisoning, lost 10 pounds. That was in the middle of swim season. And I wasn't able to put that back on until I stopped swimming. However, I wish I could have just stopped at just putting out the 10 pounds. I ended up putting on an additional 40 to 50 after that. Um, just yeah. trying to learn how to navigate life without burning thousands and thousands of calories every day. Uh, and you're an expert in this field. So I wanted to just start there. And you told me some statistics outside of this. Um, I think it's very comforting to know that I'm not the only one that has uh, had a similar transition journey in that sense. Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, there was um, a systematic literature review that looked at all of the research we've had up until that point. It it came out in 2019, so fairly recently, um, about former athletes and the transition and, you know, what happens nutritionally, metabolically. And what they found was up to 65% of former athletes struggled with some form of maladaptive nutrition behavior, whether that was binge eating, purging, obsessively exercising, having body dysmorphia. There were a lot of negative nutrition behaviors attached to former athlete life. Um, And as you mentioned, one of the biggest things that former athletes struggle with post-sport is body changes, most most notably weight gain. Mm. Um, And while it's nuanced and complicated, one of the things that I have found is a lot of the times, you know, it could be just like a couple pounds of weight gain, you know, and that would be it. 
but we tend to, as athletes do take it to the extreme. And either we continue eating in the way that we did when we were competing, because our body is not able to tell us the fullness cues that we need, or we're not able to recognize them. Or we go to the other end and we start to diet and then we damage our metabolism. And I, and the weight gain is kind of a rebound of that. So Mm -hmm. there's kind of two pathways that I have seen in my work with former athletes. Both of them often result in unwanted weight gain and body discomfort. Um, And it's really prevalent in the former athlete community. Yeah. How do we avoid those extremes? Because it's, it's, they actually two different roads lead to the same result. It sounds like, as you just explained it, um, how do you go about starting to calibrate and take into account? Like, I'm not, I'm not swimming the amount that I did and as you did as well. Right. Like, yeah. Where does that begin? Yeah. So it really does begin with starting to get back in touch with our bodies and their hunger cues and fullness cues. And I say that, and it's such like a blanket statement. Like if anyone's on the nutrition side of social media, a lot of times we'll say like, honor your hunger, you know, feel your fullness. It's so much easier to say that than actually implement it. But what we need to start to do is we need to start to recognize the subtle cues. So Mm -hmm. as athletes, we're, we're really good at understanding and and feeling our bodies, but oftentimes we've been trained just to recognize the big extremes. Like, what does it feel like to be over full? What does it feel like to be extremely hungry? And so something that I implement with a lot of my clients is we do start with structured eating. So making sure that you're adequately giving your body enough energy consistently throughout the day. So those subtle cues can start to come through. Um, And so what happens is, is we have to almost take like a pause and a step back. So that way we can feel the recalibration that happens. If we're used to eating two, three, four plates, because we were always, mm. you know, burning so many calories and needing to consume that much as athletes, we need to take a pause after plate one and assess how we're feeling before we go for plate two. And, you know, in my case, I came from a sport where we really restricted. And so I had to do a lot of unlearning of restrictive mentalities and, you know, all or nothing mindsets in that way so that I was able to actually fuel my body appropriately. Um, mm. So, yeah. I was about to say a unique challenge there, right? I, I would imagine too, to some degree, I mean, I can, I can only speak to my experience. I realized I've, I've even now years later, still sort of struggle with that, like eating because I'm hungry versus like eating because I'm bored. You know what I mean? Like, especially now yes. that I work from home more, it's really tough not to every time I need a new sparkling water or a new glass of water to get up, open the fridge and then be like, Ooh, am I, am I hungry right now? And it's like, I, it's either boredom or procrastination, like 99% of the time. How do you start to differentiate between I'm bored and I'm grabbing something because of that versus I am actually should be fueling my body for X, Y, Z, whatever that is. Yeah. So there's kind of two pieces to that. And I think that's something so many people, whether they were an athlete or not, like really struggle with is understanding, like, am I actually physically hungry right now? Do I need to eat? Um, And so there are a couple of like metrics we can look at. How long has it been since you ate the last time? Did you eat an optimized meal? Um, You know, did you eat enough from like a calorie standpoint 
And so we can check off those boxes. So if you're like, well, I just had breakfast two hours ago, it was a very nutritionally complete meal. And like, I physiologically should not be hungry right now. Then we can start to assess what am I searching for here? And I'm, I'm going to go real deep on you for a moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sometimes we really are utilizing food as like a temporary, sometimes it's like a dopamine hit. Like we're just looking for that pleasure, that comfort food does provide us with that. Um, and so getting really honest with ourselves in that moment of like, what am I seeking right now? It's almost a little bit of like a trial and error. I, I often have my clients work through that by actually eating. So if they feel like they're like, oh, I feel like I need to eat something. And then they, I'm like, go ahead and eat and see what the response is after eating. Um, Cause that's how we're able to gain more data. So the next time you find yourself with the fridge door open, staring at it, you can assess how you're feeling and know, oh, this is boredom or this is emotional eating or, oh yeah, this is physical hunger. Like I need to fuel my body. I was about to say, it doesn't help. Uh, it's really testing my willpower right now. We just had uh, the forever athlete holiday party at my place two days ago. And my fridge oh. is filled with everything from like all the leftover stuff. Like there's cakes in there. There's crackers, cheese, the amount of cheese boards that people brought, which I'm not complaining, <laughs> but like the amount of cheese boards that got left here. I'm like, man, it's so easy to just have a few crackers and cheese <laughs> at multiple points throughout the day, you know? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I, that's a timely thing. This will be released on the, the podcast into the new year, but around holidays in particular, like what shifts need to happen or get to happen with just around mindset and relationship with food in general. Um, I've always loved the way that you've approached being like, just eat the damn pie if you want a piece of pie. And you know what I mean? Like honor, honor what your body's craving. Um, so I'd just be curious to hear your two cents and thoughts on that in that regard. I really, this is such a topic that I'm so passionate about because fundamentally, I believe that in order to have a physically healthy body, we have to have an emotionally healthy relationship with food. Otherwise we're constantly fighting against ourselves when we're making food decisions. And so, you know, from a mindset standpoint around food, and this is where I, a lot of people are like, Ooh, I don't know. That's not going to work for me. It's the unconditional permission, especially around the holidays to know that you can eat those foods anytime you want. And what I mean by that is, so we'll use cheese boards for an example, or your grandma's Christmas cookies or whatever it is. You know, if you have that restrictive mindset, like, well, the only time I'm allowed to eat this is between Christmas and New Year's or Thanksgiving or whatever it is, that puts a lot of pressure on you to get as much enjoyment out of it as you can. Mm. And so now we're, we're over consuming it to the point where we may walk away from the meal feeling really physically gross. Um, <laughs> and so, <Tuesday> yes, <laughs> right, exactly. And you know, it's, it's a very human thing to overeat. I, I say that too. Like, even if you have the healthiest relationship with food, like I still overeat on occasion, it it's human. Um, but to minimize the occurrences of that, this unconditional permission allows me to know and whoever is engaging in unconditional permission that it's okay for me to go to the store and buy cheese and crackers and make my own cheese board in three months if I want to. Um, my mom gave us a thing of Christmas cookies and it's still wild to me. Like I still blow my own mind that I'm able to 
grab a cookie or sometimes half a cookie or walk by the cookies without even wanting them Mm. because I know that they're always there. Um, Now, I think, I think the other side of that is more from like a mindset standpoint is also, I like to think about, well, how is this food going to serve me? Because food can serve us in more than one way. We want it to serve us physically. We want to focus on optimizing our health, supporting our metabolism, immune system, bone density, all of that. That's a huge piece of our relationship with food. But we can also look at it. How is this going to serve me? Is it going to serve me emotionally, physically, connection, relational? Um, And when you come from that mindset, it's really, it's a lot easier to say yes or no, because you know the purpose of the food. I like that. I might have to start implementing that before uh, my next meal here. Um, yeah, I appreciate that that little perspective shift there. Um, you mentioned earlier too, like just the kind of innate nature, or I guess predisposition bias of sorts to be more towards this all or nothing. And this is something that you know I've I've explored. I've made some content around as well that like athletes really struggle with this all in versus all out mentality long after that last whistle long after they, they finish things up. How have you found different ways as it relates to eating or maybe even beyond and behavior change to start reconditioning and maybe even just like teaching your body and mind that it's like, it's safe not to go all in or all out. Like there, there is a middle ground and it doesn't have to be super messy. Yeah. I think the biggest switch that really helped me overcome the all or nothing mindset was getting curious Mm. instead of critical. Um, I think as athletes, we are trained to be critical of ourselves and that sometimes keeps us in that all or nothing. Like, well, this was like, I failed at this or it wasn't good. And so like, now I need to go all in to overcome it. Or like, this was so far out of my reach. Like, I'm just going to back off. Um, and so instead of getting really critical with myself, getting curious, like, let's say I do overeat. And instead of getting critical and being like tomorrow, it is vegetables and protein, like back to a gallon of water a day or whatever it is. Instead of taking that approach mindset wise, I've gotten curious. Like, I wonder, I wonder why I overate. Did I go too long without eating? Mm. Was I, was I feeling emotional? Was I stressed? Like what triggered the overeating? And that's allowed me to take a softer approach to my nutrition to where it's now sustainable. And I'm not constantly starting or stopping a diet or feeling like I was all in or off track. It just feels really consistent and sustainable. Um, but I think that mindset shift has been one that's helped me navigate all or nothing and kind of step back on it specifically with, um, food. Yeah. It it almost sounds like having that into that internal dialogue being just kinder to your mind in general, which is so tough. I mean, I can only imagine coming again from, from your background where there's like the slightest mistake, you got scores involved, right? It's, yes, it's so interesting to look at all of the, all of the um, evidence, I guess, in the one department of saying why you should be critical and not a ton in the why you should be curious. So how did did you start to maybe even in your personal life or with the people that you've worked with, how do you start to shift that internal dialogue to be 
more compassionate and curious and kind to one's mind in regards to the relationship to food, because I'm sure if you can shift that, it extends way beyond it as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in the, you know, spirit of all transparency, I think just globally speaking in my life, like I have worked with a therapist and I still see her on occasion for maintenance. And I I fully advocate for that. Mm. Um, But another, another piece was really starting small. So maybe it was like putting a reminder in my phone to like check in with yourself after dinner. And that reminder was really helpful to be like, Oh, was I being really mean to myself today? Or like, was I really frustrated that I overate or what happened? And instead of kind of like just allowing those thoughts to to just spiral and run, it gave me a set point to pause and reflect. Um, So in the spirit of that, I've also done a lot of journaling that's been really helpful and just like mind dumping. A lot of the things that you talk about and promote with Forever Athlete, um, just a lot of like mental hygiene practices in my day today allowed me to create the space to get curious Um, because we can be really mean to ourselves and we can have a really mean narrative. And if we're not having the outlet to express it and also navigate through it, it just stays in our head and then it festers and we just stay in the cycle that we're in. Um, So finding those outlets was really helpful for me. And it did cross over into body image and exercise and food and all of those other areas. That's it's awesome to see it pour, that cup run over into those other areas as well. And I'm glad to hear a lot of a lot of things that I've been talking about and practice myself has been helpful to you as well. Um, more Absolutely. Concept. I love it. Um, yes. You mentioned journaling and mind dumping. What is that? Maybe even just beginner prompts for someone that is early stages. They maybe just retired and then trying to figure this relationship with food out and they hear journaling and they're like great Katie and Corey I've never like I've never journaled before and I've only written for assignments in school where do I start what are some maybe beginning stop prompts or things that they can do yeah well shameless plug here I created an ebook to kind of help former athletes with journal prompts walk through this called the power bundle Um, but in there I talk about you know let's reflect back on what we're what were the things about your relate? Like maybe you've never heard the term, the term relationship with food before. Mm. And so start there. When you think about how you interact with food, is it an enjoyable experience? Is it a stressful experience? Is it up and down? Do you have good days, bad days? Um, How do you think about food? Are you stressed out by food situations? Are you excited to eat? Start there by really defining what does your relationship with food look like? Um, And then from there, we can reflect back on our sport and our time in sport and think about, well, what was your relationship with food then? How was food serving you? Was it serving you? Um, Before you can focus on, well, what does your relationship with food look like now? So often what I hear from former athletes is they'll say, I just want to be able to go back to eating how I did as an athlete. Like, I don't want to have to stress about it. I don't have to Mm. think about it like I did. I just ate whatever. And then I you know, you and I are both swimmers. I just jumped in the pool and like swam a bunch and burned it all off. Um, and I think it's important to know that you can have that like peaceful, not stressed about food, not thinking about it all the time relationship without needing to burn the thousands of calories in the pool as well. Um, but it starts by having to define 
where you're at. Mm. And then I like to, I like to visualize, if you will, or like write out what is your dream nutrition food relationship look like? Like what does a day of eating look like for you? How do you feel when you show up to a holiday party and there's cheese boards and cookies and a chocolate fountain? You know, what do you want your feeling and approach to be? And then we can start to move forward towards that. But we have to have those pieces in place first. Yeah, I I love that you kind of went backwards for a second and used that to then be a launching pad forward, right? I mean, that's a lot of what the whole concept of Forever Athlete is about is like unpacking what served you in the past, taking the good stuff, and then like leaving the rest. Be like, okay, cool. This all or nothing mindset doesn't serve you anymore. Let's dump that, you know, or maybe it does in one area of your life, but it can't be just a blanket apply to everything, you know, scalable rule of sorts, which I think we all get in trouble with (laughs) at times, right? (laughs) Yes, can totally relate to that. Yep, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a fun one to to try to navigate and deal with. You, around this topic of holiday party, maybe situations where you might find yourself overindulging into certain foods more than your, your norm, your standard deviation of intake is probably a little bit higher during certain times. And we've established that that's okay. Do you find that your body like naturally recalibrates the next day? Cause for me personally, like this, this thing was on a Tuesday night yesterday. I just like had no real interest in eating anything for like a while. Yeah. Yes, exactly. When you, it sounds like you have reached that place of being able to like recognize and listen to what your body is telling you or or what it needs. Um, your body does recalibrate and mm. it will adjust. And something that I love to kind of share with former athletes, cause I think the fear of weight gain is so prominent in the former athlete community, especially around the holidays. Um, when you found your set point weight, when you have reached that really healthy, strong metabolism, like you can experience periods of overconsumption where your body is able to handle it and you're able to lean into the cues and signals that it's giving to you without it having to be an extreme experience. Um, for myself, for example, we just, we just went to Disneyland not too long ago and theme park food is not the food that I'm usually choosing for myself on a day-to-day basis. Um, but I was able to like allow myself, I enjoyed milkshakes and fries and burgers and whatever it was. And I think too, understanding hunger fullness allowed me to not feel like I was overeating there. Um, but I wasn't stressed about these different food choices because I knew my body would recalibrate, but that's only a result of the work I've done to create a really healthy and strong metabolism, solidify a foundational relationship with food that allowed me to approach those things in a healthy way. So then afterwards, I don't have to stress about the scale going up or my clothes fitting tighter or things like that. Yeah. What's a scale? I haven't had a scale (laughs) in like two years. (laughs) And you shouldn't. I am not a proponent of the scale. (laughs) There we go. People ask me all the time, Corey, what are you weighing? And I'm like, your guess is as good as mine. I don't know. There's that latest TikTok filter, I think right now it's allegedly like guessing your weight. And I have no idea if it's it's right or not. Um, It's actually, it's, kind of a comical filter of sorts while weight can be 
problematic of topics, right? Um, yes. You would, I would be curious, like, do you find yourself, you mentioned the the amusement park food and theme park food being that, do you find yourself, your body like readjusting to afterwards of after indulging that now your body's telling you like, cool, you had that, but like, I really want a salad and some like vegetables afterwards. Yes, it, it absolutely is. I, I said to my fiance, when we were driving back from California, I was just like, I just really want like a refreshing crisp salad. My body is craving fruits and veggies. I loaded up my lunches this week just with like lots of fruits and veggies. Cause that's what my body was craving. Mm. And I, I think there was a point in my life and relationship with food where I never would have believed that I would intentionally choose to eat more fruits and veggies from a genuine place of wanting to not trying to cut calories or lose weight. Um, and I think that intention just makes it so much more enjoyable, like wanting to eat bell peppers and hummus or whatever it is feels really good when you want to, not when you're fearful of eating the chips over the bell peppers. Yeah. How do you, how would someone start to get to that place? Cause I mean, I can look back at, for me personally, I'm like, I don't really know how I can like reverse engineer that for someone, but this is your, your area of expertise. So how would someone start that journey where those, the bell peppers and hummus and the fruits and veggies in general actually start to be something that they're excited about and like sound more enticing than junk food every single day. Yeah. Well, I think there's, there's two, there's two pieces to it. There's the physiological piece, but then there's also the mindset and mental piece as well. Mm. Physiologically, we have to be nutritionally adequate. So like consistent, adequate energy intake, balanced macronutrients, stable blood sugar. Um, we want to make sure that we have that foundational piece in place most of the time before your body is going to be able to appropriately crave fruits and vegetables. Otherwise, if you're in a consistent energy, kind of like teeter totter, like you're mm -hmm. over consuming, you're under consuming, you'll likely find that you're craving more energy dense foods more often because your body does not trust that it's going to get enough energy consistently. And so oftentimes when I hear people say like, well, I just have no willpower around sugar or like I'm constantly craving carbs or whatever it is, my mind goes to, you are not consistently eating enough. And it's not that you may not be consuming enough on average. It's that every day consistently, you are giving your body adequate energy and you're not going long periods of time in an energy deficit. Mm. So that's the physiological piece that has to be there. The mindset piece is really taking away the power that food has. And so what I mean by that is looking at all foods neutrally, like a chip is not any better or worse than a bell pepper. Yes, they have nutritional differences. I'm a registered dietitian. My master's in nutrition. I am not going to deny that. That is just science. Um, but from like a morality standpoint or our view of the food, we want to just think of them as all the same because mm. then, you know, chips or ice cream or shakes or fries, they no longer have power over you as some off limits or bad food. Whereas like bell peppers can be kind of boring if you're using them for like dieting or weight loss, they can have that negative stigma attached to them. Um, and so really unpacking how you view food. Mm. When I say, you know, cake, what do you think of? When I say apple, what do you think of? And 
retraining and reframing how you view food. I love that. Are you familiar with the the study that they did around milkshakes up in Stanford a few years back? Yes. You could probably explain one... this way better than I can. So I'll let you do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I love the milkshake study. And I think it really shows how our mindset around food determines our physiological response. So the, the premise of the study was there were two groups. There was one group, they were both given the exact same milkshake, but one group was told that the milkshake was like a low calorie, slim, fast type of shake. The other group was told that it was this overindulgent calorie rich shake. And what they measured was they measured the feelings mentally, like how the participants felt after drinking the shake, but they also measured leptin and ghrelin, which are hunger hormones that really determine whether you feel full or satisfied, or if you're still hungry, I'll wrap it up and keep it concise. But the group that thought they were getting the diet shake had higher levels of ghrelin after drinking the shake. Ghrelin is the hormone that makes you more hungry and basically could like dictate cravings. They felt mentally dissatisfied. They were wanting something more as opposed to the group that thought they got the you know, overindulgent shake, they had lower levels of ghrelin, higher levels of leptin. Leptin is your satisfaction hormone. We want that to go higher after eating. It Mm. allows you to walk away from a meal without feeling dissatisfied. And they mentally felt better. They were like, that was fantastic. That tasted great. I'm good. So when we view foods, you know, like a diet food or a weight loss food or a bad food, a good food, it can actually physiologically dictate the response our body is having, which is just more proof as to how powerful your mindset really is. Yeah. I was about to say, I think it goes to show shifting to it instead of being like, Oh, these berries or the smoothie that I'm about to take is a nourishing thing for me. It's, it's going to fill me up and uh, fill my body um, rather than, Oh, it's this diet thing. I need to consume this to be in a calorie deficit today to lose weight because that's what the Instagram people are telling me that I need to be in a calorie deficit to, to lose weight. Uh, I love that. Yeah. They had another study there too, around the uh, same similar concept of uh, mindset, but towards movement. And they studied um, hotel workers and their relationship towards like how they viewed basically the activity of their job going room to room. It was maids and room service. And he originally came in saying like, yeah, I don't have time for a workout today. I'm too busy. My job's too demanding. And just a simple shift in, hey, actually like your job is a ton of movement. Um, So I I love that you specialize in the relationship with food. I I look a lot at like relationship with movement patterns and, and how we just view movement. I'm very intentional with that word too, instead of workouts. It's like, it's yes. movement. movement. It doesn't have to be a workout. It can be movement. So long as we check that box every day of like we moved, we're good to go. And movement can look different yep. for everyone as it should. Um, so I, I love that you, yeah, you definitely did a much better job explaining that, uh, that Stanford study <laughs> than I did. So appreciate it. Appreciate it there. Um, of course. What else kind of comes to mind for you in that you've just seen maybe in particular in this former athlete, and even maybe the current athlete, I guess that's a better question. In the current athlete, what do you think current athletes 
can be and should be doing better in terms of relationship building with food that would actually set them up better for life post-sport while also still serving them and their performance while they're still in it because there's that fine balance there, right? There is. And I really think that there's one mindset that is permeating through sports culture that if we could just make a shift while we're an athlete, it would really serve us in life after sport. And that is food is fuel. Mm. And oftentimes, you know, we leave it as food is fuel for workouts, for training sessions, for our sport. And we don't expand beyond that. And so I believe that this mindset really facilitates the burn to earn mentality where like in order to eat food, I have to exercise and burn it off. It creates that connection. Mm. Um, So I like to expand on it. Food is fuel for, it can be fuel for physical movement. It can be, you know, fuel for your physical body, but it can also be fuel for connection, for relationships, for exploration, for spontaneity, for Can we expand on that? Food is fuel. Continue the sentence Mm. and add in other things. Um, Because I think that that sets us up for recognizing that we can eat outside of, you know, like carbs. You can eat carbs even if you're not working out today or if you're not moving your body today in like an an intense way. Um, It allows us to shift our view of food as not just fuel for exercise, because when we stop exercising as much, we're like, well, now do I keep eating that much? Do I not? What do I do? Right. Mm. To seeing how food can fuel us and serve us in different ways. And that was one of the inspirations behind using the word fueled in a lot of my messaging, because it, I want it to expand beyond physical fuel Mm. to fueling full lives after sport. Yeah, and I was about to say you highlighted there too the the extent at which food is prevalent beyond just fuel, right? Like it is in cult, it's in cultures, it's in uh, connection. We we rely on it heavily as a collective society here, and it's definitely yeah. something that we we should learn to embrace rather than run away from and hide. Um, and that's my biggest takeaway from what you've just kind of said here. Any other thing that you want to like add to the the discussion here tonight and just maybe what you've seen in in your work that you're just like I need to I need to put this last word in. I think I think the biggest thing and we kind of touched on this at the beginning with the statistic is that mm-hmm. you're not alone. Um I think we are starting to have more conversations and people are starting to realize that relationships with food specifically post sport are very disordered and they're they're not serving our former athlete population in a healthful way um but if you do find yourself struggling you know just know that you're not alone i i i personally have experienced so many different things in my relationship with food and i often say to my clients there's probably nothing you can do say or think about food movement, body image that I haven't done, thought, or said myself. Mm. Um, so if you feel like you're the only one struggling with it, um, either feel free to reach out for help. You know, I know your inbox is open. My inbox is always open. Um, but just know that you're not alone. There is likely several other people who are dealing with the same struggle. Yeah. That's what I've always appreciated about just you, the way you show up, but more importantly, like just you as a human being, um, 
you're very open and transparent and you're coming from a place of like, Hey, look, I did this too. And like, I, I am no better than you. I still deal with this on a day-to-day basis. Um, so Katie, I, I appreciate you and just want to acknowledge the transparency and that you just always have this beautiful energy about you. I, I get a smile on my face when we get to hang out in the zooms here. So I appreciate it. Where can those listening in, watching this, get in touch with you, find that ebook that you had mentioned earlier and all the other resources that you're putting out and merch just dropped, all that fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks so much, Corey. Um, yes, if you guys are looking to connect further, um, even if it's just to say hey or to share something that resonated with you, um, you can find me mostly on Instagram at fueling.former.athletes. Um, my website is where you can find all of the resources. It's spotastrongnutrition.com. Um, and there you can find my um, academy, which is my self-paced course that really essentially takes you from frustrated former athlete to food freedom and an embracer of that lifestyle where you can find this peace and balance we were talking about. Um, but the ebook is also on there. The merch is on there. There's a contact page if you want to drop me a line and say, hey, um, and I've got a lot of blog posts as well for some additional resources, but I always love even just the random messages that say, Hey, like excited to connect with you. I'm a former athlete. So don't hesitate to, to reach out. I love it. I love it. We'll have that all linked below Katie again. Thank you so much.